Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off the Key Podcast. I'm your host Mac and today I'm joined by my oh-so-regular co-hosts, Riffs and Licks and Hooks, and my other co-host. What's up guys? (laughs) (laughs) That that completely took me off guard. I was not prepared for that. (laughs) I was just playing. It's uh, Garrett and James. Say hi guys. Hello. Hello there. You know, I tried to do something about this album to throw in there. I was like a little little riff, little pun, little pew pew. And I was just like, no. <laughs> not not worth no, it. Man. Not worth it. Can't do it. So uh today we're talking about the brand new studio album from Panic at the Disco, Viva Los Vengeance. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we're a bunch of millennials here. And we're all too familiar with Panic at the Disco. They were definitely at the height of the emo punk you know pop punk emo pop movement of the 2000s definitely one of the big bands along with fallout boy paramore mcr i would also include the 2010s in that as well yeah early part of the 2010s yeah panic i actually think they're one of the weaker bands of that era i mean i have nostalgia for fever you can't sweat out and pretty odd but going back to those albums i really wasn't that impressed brandon really kind of carries the music i feel like from a songwriting standpoint and just from a instrumental standpoint, the band, the band has always been weak. His voice has just carried them to where they are now. Oh yeah. He's definitely got chops, but I almost think it's to a fault. He leans on it really, really hard. That's definitely an issue on this album here. Now, before we get into Viva Last Vengeance, I do want to talk about the backstory of Panic! at the Disco because it's actually pretty troubled. I figured it'd be important to kind of get into that so we can understand how we got to Viva Las Vengeance here today. So, currently, Panic at the Disco is the solo project of American musician Brendan Urey. Originally, it was a pop rock band formed in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2004 by childhood friends Brendan Urey, Ryan Ross, Spencer Smith, and Brent Wilson. They recorded their first demos in high school and released their debut studio album, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, in 2005. And I, man, I remember when that hit. I was like eight years old seven or eight years old at the time and uh, my brother actually got the cd like day one and man we wore that thing out i don't i did not (laughs) i I will say this that i've finding some pretty hard biases with this one i've never liked panic in fact it took me a it took me a long time to not hate a lot of bands from that era I've actually come to like a lot of bands from that kind of movement. Paramore, I'm a fan of now. I like Fall Out Boy's what, their, first their album, second, second album. album yeah. yeah, and I like uh, two albums from My Chemical Romance, like you know Black Parade. But uh, man, Panic has never grown on me. I like maybe about like three songs total by them. Yeah, same here. Honestly, the only reason I know Panic honestly is because of my cousin. It really feels like Panic is, and just really just Bryn Urie and his songwriting style in general, it feels like the theater kids who were really yes. weird and awkward bro, yeah. that got bullied. But like the rest of us, we got bullied into shaping up and being regular human beings. And Bryn Urie just like doubled down on it. That is exactly. And just continued being cringe. That is exactly my sentiment towards Panic at the Disco in general. Yeah. Brendan Urie is a theater kid. And because I know like what that's all about, I'm just like, the cringe is pretty big. It's really funny you say that because Viva Las Vengeance here is 
a rock opera. It attempts to be. But anyway, <laughs> I'll admit I listened to a lot of really bad stuff when I was younger. I mean, there was some good in there. You know, I was listening to like early Kanye and Daft Punk when I was in elementary school, which is a bit odd, but it was also a lot of pop punk, you know, Green Day, Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, MCR, not really Paramore. Actually, James is the person who got me into Paramore. Yes. IMO Paramore is the best band from the era. I agree with that. Definitely top three. Definitely some nostalgia there, but I really lost interest in them after Pretty Odd. I remember listening to their, I believe it was their 2011 album, and I was not impressed. Um, That was actually the point where Ryan Ross left the band. Ryan Ross was actually responsible for all of their compositions and the songwriting for their first two albums. And you'll notice between Pretty Odd and their next album, there is a huge drop in quality with the music, with the songwriting, with the compositions. From there, it just keeps going downhill. So to bring it back a little bit, we'll uh, go back to their debut and I'll kind of get into that context. With the release of A Fever You Can't Sweat Out in 2005, they had a breakout single as literally every single millennial under the sun knows, I Write Sins, Not Tragedy. How's that one go? If you are a millennial and growing up in America and you haven't heard that song, what were you doing? You were probably chiming in with a, haven't you people ever heard of? So by 2006, founding bassist Brent Wilson was fired from the band in the middle of a world tour and replaced by John Walker. In 2008, the band released Pretty Odd, which marked a significant departure from the band's sound. I actually remember when Pretty Odd came out, a lot of Panic fans were pissed off about the the stylistic change of that album. But I actually really enjoyed it. I actually think it's the best Panic album. And that's not really saying much. This significant departure is actually the reason that John Walker and Ryan Ross left the band, because Urian Smith wanted to further change their style after Pretty Odd. So basically, it was just creative differences. So the band would go on as a duo for the remainder of the early 2010s, releasing two studio albums during this time. By 2013, Smith unofficially left the band due to drug and health-related issues, and it basically just left Yuri and their touring bassist, Dallas Weeks, as the only remaining members of the band. So in 2015, Smith officially left the band, and Weeks reverted to just being a touring member again. At that point, Panic became Brendan Yuri's solo project. Brendan has continued as a solo act under the Panic of the Disco moniker to this day, releasing Death of a Bachelor in 2016, Pray for the Wicked in 2018, and the album we're discussing today, Viva Las Vengeance. That was released on August 19th, 2022, via Fuel by Ramen and DCD2 Records. I feel like when members just mass exodus like that, you really should do your fans a favor. Change the name, man. Do something different. But then I feel like they're worried about, what if I don't sell? Just be Brendan Yuri. Brand it as something different, because it is not what it started out to be at all. Yeah, the Panic of the Disco from the 2000s and the Panic of the Disco from the 2010s and now are two completely different bands. As far as Brendan Yuri goes, I think he is a very talented vocalist. But like we were saying, he relies too much on his chops to the point that it almost becomes annoying. And I think that there is so much difference from even just from album to album, from the last album and their last singles like High Hopes and like that album to this one. I mean, there are some obvious, very obvious Queen throwbacks here. Oh, yeah. I mean, besides like his voice and his vocal stylings tying it together, there's very, very little in common. That's where we start to realize that Brendan Urie is really only the vocal talent 
if you ask me, Ryan Ross was the special sauce of the band originally. He's what pulled Brendan Yuri back, used him as he was needed, and they had, you know, some pretty catchy, pretty memorable songs and decent compositions on their early work. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I actually think A Fever You Can't Sweat Out is, like, kind of okay. Uh, you know, it's got some great singles, but I think it's a solid emo pop album. And same with Pretty Odd. There's a division of labor for a reason a lot of times in bands. Sometimes you've got to have that diverse creative force within a group to iron out all the, the edges. Brendan, while, yes, he's incredibly talented and he sings and he even plays some instruments and stuff, but he can't do it all alone. Not only that, but there is something to be said about creative minds that have too much control. One of my favorite examples is actually George Lucas. The reason why the original trilogy was so strong was because he wasn't established yet. He had a room of other creatives that pretty much told him when his ideas were good, but they went too far, to limit them back in scope and to define them when he had good ideas. Whereas then in the later movies came, yep. he didn't. He got a little too big for his pants. He's like, oh, I don't need these guys anymore. And then his ideas went too far in scope. They were too messy. No one was there to check him on the dialogue. Yeah. Brand essentially is has arrived there now. He doesn't have yep. anyone to check him. He's just going willy-nilly all over the place. You've got to have checks and balances. We're not here to say that, oh, Brandon Yuri's this terrible guy. He's this awful, awful person and musician and a piece yeah, of crap. No. You know, that's not what we're saying here. We're just saying that Brandon Yuri is beating a dead horse with Panic at the Disco at this point. I think he just needs to retire the project and move on because Viva Lost Vengeance is not very good. Or at the very least, actually build a band again. Get some more creative minds in there to put a check and balance on your ideas and mesh ideas together to make a better project. Right now, he is big wasted talent. I think he is a great front man, but not a great creative. Viva Las Vengeance showcases that very strongly. And now that's not to say that there isn't intent to do something cool and exciting with the album. Regarding Viva Las Vengeance, Yuri called the album a look back at who I was 17 years ago and who I am now with the fondness I didn't have before. I didn't realize I was making an album and there was something about the tape machine that kept me honest. Brendan Neary also described the album as a cinematic musical journey about the fine line between taking advantage of your youth and seizing the day and burning out. Now, one thing to mention about Viva Las Vengeance is it's definitely an homage to the music of the 60s, 70s, and especially the 80s. It was recorded live to an eight-track tape machine to capture a retro vibe and to recapture the sound that Yuri was influenced by on Viva Las Vengeance. Instead of feeling like an homage, Viva Las Vengeance feels like a bad cover. Yeah, like a bad pastiche. It captures the sound well of the music, but it does not capture the soul. It's very hollow. The better songs in this album actually have stronger hooks. He's over-relying on his vocal chomps. Oh my and God. Some of the lyrics just straight up kill the song themselves. Like Star Spangled Banger, Mill of a Breakup, they just... Even if the song was good, even if it was just like a straight-up riff-heavy banger with like several different parts and good dynamics, the lyrics are just so bad, it really does not matter. Although I will give props, I do enjoy the title of, of Viva Las Vengeance. Just the title in general, oh. I like it. Yeah. yeah, and I actually think the title track is the best track on the entire album, <laughs> ironically enough. I think it's all downhill from there. 
I mean, I can't argue with you there, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah Viva Las Vengeance was... I actually remember hearing the single just in passing one day, and I was like, oh, that's actually, like, not bad. I mean, it still kind of sounds like a Queen cover, but it didn't work. Like you were saying, Garrett, there's just so many unbearable songwriting moments. I mean, middle of a breakup, makeup sex in the middle of a breakup. I mean, it's just like, ah, like these fuckboy lyrics. Yeah. The cringe theater I, kid in him. Just, yeah. yeah, I could not get, a, get behind and it. I hate every song that is like an anthem, almost like it's like trying to raise an army, like, we are the freaks, oh yeah. I immediately cringe to the moon and back. That is just like the worst thing. His intent to get back to this, the most rock that Panic has been in quite a Ages. while. Yeah. He had the right idea. Whether he just surrounded the room with the like, yes man, or whether he just didn't go out and find enough people to help him realize his vision. It just didn't work. It doesn't feel like a tasteful homage to what he's paying tribute to, you know, Queen and even like other 80s bands, you know, like even mentioned Stead Kennedy's. What song was it where he's like, we are the new dead Kennedy's? It's Star Spangled yeah. Banger, yeah, which I think, is, I think is the worst song on this album. Oh, yeah. Unquestionably. Easily. It sounds, I, I mentioned this in our Discord chat, but it sounds like a schoolhouse rock song that you would hear in gym class. It feels like Brennan Urie really would have benefited from kind of how modern rappers do where they get all these good producers and features on a project, giving them new ideas that kind of build up and, and they added on to his vision. They really made I feel like Brennan Urie, with his idea that he had, if he had some guys like some Rick Rubin, some old guitarist, maybe he had like the old guitarist, like, oh, here comes, not saying that he that this would make it any better, but I'm just throwing out some names like, Oh, what if Nikki Six came in? What if Slash came in? Some guys that were actually there that could give me some ideas that or could some play off that. Yeah. yeah. Or hell, even Brian May. That would have actually been an interesting feature if he is making an album that sounds a lot like Queen or is an homage to the rock opera of the 70s, the arena rock of the 70s. Brian May would have been a perfect feature and he actually could have helped him figure out how these songs are supposed to go or how they're supposed to sound. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I agree 100% with you guys here. Like, great point, because I think this could have been an amazing album. I see the concept here, and I see the potential here, and I think if he, like you guys said, brought in people from that era that are still alive or that were in that era that could give him ideas to really send that home, this could have been a beautiful homage. You can tell when someone has this go-it-alone mentality because it just really just feels half-finished, like you said. I do feel for Brendan here because he's been trying to keep this Panic Project going for almost 10 years now. What has it been, eight years since everyone left the band? It's a struggle. Imagine being in his shoes. Everyone in your band left. You still want to keep doing this project, but you don't have the help. At this point, where I start to lose sympathy for him is... He absolutely has the resources and the connections to reach out and make a really tasteful rock opera homage. See, that's the thing that pisses me off about this album. I hear the potential. It's so underwhelming. I mean, it's not like the worst album I've heard this year. It, they're pretty inoffensive, but there really wasn't a track here that I enjoyed besides Viva Las Vengeance. I kind of liked uh, Don't Let the Light Go Out and... Say It Louder was okay, besides like a weird misplaced lyric here and there. But yeah, the songs after that was are not good. All By Yourself was awful. Was not good. Awful. God Killed Rock and Roll was cringe. It's just one of those like, oh, you know, Rock and Roll died. We're going to try to be it, bring it back vibe songs, which I think are just is one of the worst ideas yeah, that post-2000s have had. 
Sugar Sucker's pretty forgettable. Sad Clown's pretty forgettable. I I've heard I've listened to this album <laughs> five times now. My God, Matt, are you okay? Um, no, <laughs> are I'm you not. okay? Mentally, I am at the most Isley map in Battlefront Two. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally, you're the little jaw was running around. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was just trying to find something to like about this band, but I just I couldn't. You know, halfway through, I was like, "Why did I pick this?" I was the one to pick this album to cover, and uh, you know, we're kind of late on it because I had some life stuff I had to take care of. But I was just like, "Man, I feel like I'm punching down." <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying hating on it because yeah, I mean, like, I've always been a panicator. It's, okay. it's just it's just because you know I've got a I got a big nostalgia for the band, but I mean, they just they have not put out any likable album since the 2000s. So they're artists and bands that'll put out something crap like let's take for instance like six nine and you can hate on him all you want to and then you think who the hell's really listening to this i don't need to waste my time on this but i can't tell you how many times i've heard from people that like panic especially old panic was like their favorite band ever and that they'll just slob on the knob of like brendan yuri i'm just like i don't understand like i just don't maybe they're old stuff but it's like people like still excited for i mean i know a person that was excited for this album and i'm like man how it's like saying that i'm still excited for star wars movies <laughs> oh garrett <laughs> I'm, I'm not i mean i'm still excited for star, star wars like shows and projects but movies like no that ship has sailed and you have to realize yeah. like I mean, you can still have a little bit of hope but you also need very cautious optimism when it comes to stuff like this i think brandon is way past his prime with panic at the disco i mean i think he could go on to do something else oh, but, yeah. but i think he's got to bury the hatchet on this one just take it out back shoot it <laughs> shoot it in the back old, of the old head yeller. Like, yeah old just, yeller it. just go solo man either go solo or join another band or make another band this output and his past two albums pray for the wicked you know death of a bachelor he has not put out a good project since the 2000s oh we'll say i did like some of the, the operatic queen portions of it but it feels so it's not tasteful and that's the big problem here. He's trying to make an homage and he's trying to pay tribute, you know, with this big grand like rock opera concept. But these songs are not tasteful at all. The songwriting is not. And I'm not saying, you know, Queen was super tasteful either. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that it's like dollar store rock opera. I have a question that I'm actually curious about when it comes to like specifically the song Madness by Muse when they paid tribute to Queen do you think that was tasteful or do you think that was hammy as well it was very hammy so would you would you put it in this category or would you say that it's a little bit better done cuz i think personally it was it was a little bit better done especially the solo they tried to pay tribute to Queen's songwriting structure and not just the fact when they listened to Queen all they focused on was the was the opera yeah, side the of Queen cuz there's obviously more to Queen than that and then some of the other influences they're so diluted with his songwriting stamp that he puts on it it just it kind of feels a little pointless i know it wasn't but it almost comes across as lazy like he wanted the aesthetic and the sound of rock opera without actually trying to make a good rock opera that has been my biggest debate on this album whether this was just pulling a drake and going in like half-assing it and just saying all right you get what you get or if this is like 
oh, really good ideas. Oh, we'll write it all down. And, you know, you turn in the paper before you got a chance to revise it and fill it in and all that stuff. I'm, I really go back and forth on which one this album is. I think it's more the second one because from what it sounds like, Brendan Yuri, from what I've, you know, seen in interviews, he's really, really excited about this album and very passionate about it. And you can even see it in his music videos. I don't know if you watched the Viva Los Bandits music video. He was really into that shit. I think he had an idea. And was like, all right, let's go ahead and do it. I know what I want to do. I'm going to do it. But he didn't consult anybody. They weren't critical enough. My main problem with the album, and both of you are kind of dancing around it a bit. The album is hollow. It's not authentic. That's the main problem. Musically, if I were to objectively analyze the music, it's actually not bad. It's well-structured, well-produced, especially for being live on an 8-track recorder. Yeah, he does get a little too crazy with his vocals and some songs pretty annoying yeah very tasteless he, he could have he could have brought it down a notch just a little bit it's like every single phrase or passage he's just trying to hit these high notes and yep. it's so fucking annoying like, although that one high note that he hit i was actually i was actually really impressed yeah it's definitely impressive it's just is it right for the song it's like adam <laughs> levine i fucking hate adam levine as a vocalist for the exact same reason he just relies on his chops Every single note he hits is just like in this super high register. Look how good of a singer I am. And it just comes across as pompous and annoying. It's not as bad on here, but it's in that same category. Adam Levine and Brendan Urie are to vocalists what John Petrucci and like Steve Vai are to guitarists. They're just yeah. freaking noodling and just <laughs> perfectly said. Yes. James, you are right. Musically, this album is not bad. It's okay. But if you asked me to point out these instrumentals from other pop rock, you know, rock opera songs or albums, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. They're very derivative. He put all this effort into perfectly capturing the sound that he didn't take the time to really look into and try to capture the feeling, the soul. It's shallow. That is the problem with this album, is it is a surface-level homage to rock opera. Queen is just not a very good band to try to cover or copy because it is very hard to pay justice to them without looking like a total knobhead. I mean, when you've got a frontman like Freddie Mercury and, you know, the rest of Queen, too, I mean, they're all insanely talented. Yeah, incredible musicians. But, you know, a frontman like Freddie Mercury, it's going to be very hard to match his energy and his stage presence and who he was for Queen. Arguably, it's almost impossible. Again, Queen... Freddie Mercury was not alone. He had that band. Brian May is often considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time. You've got to have those other guys with you to bring the project up. Also, everyone in Queen wrote a hit, which is a rarity. When you have that kind of creative input all together in one room, providing checks and balances over another when they pass ideas by each other, iron sharpens iron, and Brian Yuri doesn't really have anyone to to sharpen his iron, so to speak. This is a big case of the front man going off and doing his own thing and it not being as good, and you realizing that he was just the front man. Another big example of that, of a band that we talked about recently, Guns N' Roses, with Axel going off and doing Chinese democracy like by himself, and it just does not sound anything like, and you just realize that he needed, yep. he needed everyone else just as much as they needed him. Yeah, that's really the core issue with this album. And I think we've done enough duking all over it. So I guess we'll go ahead and get into our final thoughts. I'll let one of you guys start. Viva Las Vengeance. While the songs 
are well structured. They're well produced. The phrasing in most of the songs, pretty good. Sometimes a little corny, but for the most part, pretty good. Talent on display, undeniable. But this album is borderline plagiarism. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Giant, no, you're good. <laughs> you're good. It honestly sounds more like music written for like rent or hairspray style Broadway musical. <laughs> I understand what he's trying to do, but he did it without really understanding the roots of rock, just classic rock in general. It's shallow, it's hollow, and I'm going to have to give it a three. This is music by a man who went to strike out on his own and realized that much like the prodigal son can't really do it on his own. It's non-authentic. A lot of the songwriting has actually kind of reverted, I will say, instead of like growing. Because like one of the biggest criticisms you can make about an artist or about a songwriter is that they their tires are spinning in the mud. They have not moved on from where they were. Brandon Urie is actually honestly going backwards. He's actually kind of getting worse. Um, I don't think this album is a one or a two. Uh, there's probably like three pretty decent songs. I mean, Viva Las Vengeance, I'll say, is pretty good. Uh, Don't Let the Light Go Out is all right. A say It Louder is all right. Everything else is either forgettable, sugar soaker, something about Maggie, or just downright awful. Like middle of a breakup and Star Spangled Banner, man. Star Spangled Banner actually like pissed me off. And as far as like recommending this album, who would you recommend this album to? I would not recommend this album to anyone unless they consider, unless they just have a Brandon Urie poster in their room and they think that Panic, regardless of whatever happens, is a top three band in their books all time. I would not recommend this to anyone else, whether they like pop, pop punk, pop rock. You know, rock opera, rock in general, I would not recommend this to anyone else but the most dedicated of Panic fans. And even then, I would ask them to question and ask themselves one question. Why? Three out of ten. You know, y'all basically covered it, but I'll go ahead and give my overall thoughts. I'm in the same boat as these guys. Brendan Urie, he's got to hang up the towel on Panic. I think he either needs to move on to another project or fade into obscurity. Viva Las Vengeance is the worst Panic album, no question. And, you know, it's not the worst album I've ever heard. These instrumentals, the music is serviceable. The intent, you know, with recording it on an 8-track and trying to recapture the sound of 70s rock opera and arena rock and 80s rock and all that good stuff is cool, but the homage is very surface level. It's shallow. It almost comes across as lazy. Now, I'm going to give Brendan Urie the benefit of the doubt here and say that he just didn't do as much research as he should have or he didn't recruit the right people, but it's really hard to give some of these songs a pass. I mean, Middle of a Breakup is insufferable. Star Spangled Banger is probably one of the worst songs of this year. I'm willing to go that far. Right now, it's in a dead heat with that and Currents by Drake. The rest of these songs are just like, okay, it's not the worst album I've ever heard, but it is really bad, and I'm going to have to give it a 3 out of 10 as well. Unanimous decision. Yeah. Panic. They need to hang up the towel. But yeah. Any final thoughts, guys? All good. All right. Well, this is Off The Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys. See you later. Well, it's kind of of like... 
with our love for the genres that he's trying to do, yeah. it's like going up to a PhD. You know, a P, someone that has a PhD like in, in, a, in astrology and astronomy, not astrology, astronomy, and saying like, no, the moon only moves like that because it's been like Mercury's in retrograde, and then they're just like, <laughs> like we're like we love that genre, and then it's kind of like trying to free to someone that has like that is that is like, knowledgeable. Knows their shit. It's yeah, like, you're not fucking, no. you're not doing anything yeah. special. It was just so fucking derivative. Like, anyway. Hey everybody, Mac here, and I just wanted to give a shout out to Lacrembo for the intro and outro music. Also, check out our link tree for where to follow us. We are on Instagram and Facebook and a variety of streaming platforms. And if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. See you later.